chapter number 6, verses 1 through 4. And tonight we'll be dealing with the subject of do not your alms before men. Do not your alms before men. Let's read these first four verses. The Bible says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly." In Matthew 5, as we watched the Lord expose the corruption of sound doctrine by the Pharisees and the scribes, the Lord now begins in Matthew 6 to begin to demonstrate and illustrate religious life under three primary headings. These three primary headings, or three great forms, in which now the Pharisees would be very well known for their acts of self-righteousness and hypocrisy. Uh, they, they are manifested very clearly even in these first four verses that we're looking at. But these primary areas of self-righteousness that the Pharisees were uh, corrupting was in the area, first of all, of almsgiving, which is what we'll look at tonight. Secondly, prayer. And then thirdly, fasting. Those were the three principal manifestations of the Pharisees and the scribes' uh, thoughts of piety. Uh, They believed what they were doing was what made them superior. Uh, They are, again, going to be found abusing the true intent of what these things were for, what the purpose of almsgiving was tonight, and of course what the purpose of prayer and the purpose of fasting. But you have to remember that the Pharisees truly believed uh, that they had reached the highest pinnacle uh, of superiority in their religiosity. Uh, they were they believed that if you want to see what true religion, true spiritual life looks like, true righteousness looks like, all you have to do is look at us. Uh, this was not some hypothetical thoughts. They truly believed uh, that they were the picture of what righteousness should look like. Uh, The Pharisees, by their imagination of this uh, reaching this pinnacle, this mountaintop, uh, they begin, Jesus begins by undoing their thoughts towards almsgiving. Now, this primarily carries in with what we uh, dealt with over the last couple of weeks, especially with loving the neighbor. Again, uh, there's a, a chapter break between Matthew 5 and Matthew 6, but the thought is continuous. And of course, last week we had looked about loving our enemies and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. So almsgiving primarily has to do with having a right relationship with your neighbor. Almsgiving is not so much random as it is more of the acts of, uh, acts of goodness that you do towards your neighbor. That's what almsgiving is. Of course, prayer... Uh, marks the relationship that we have towards God. And we'll look at that next week. And then fasting has the 
idea of the right relationship toward ourselves. So we begin by the right relationship towards our neighbor. Next week, the relationship with God. And then the week after that, the right relationship with ourselves. But the Pharisees had one of many problems, their hypocrisy. Their idea that their reaching this preeminent spot uh, was, not, uh, was not covered in destroying the spiritual nature of those three things, almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. So the Lord has now, we've now moved from uh, moral responsibilities to religious responsibilities. This is dealing with a form of righteousness. Now, Matthew 6, 1 tells us, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. The word alms there really has reference uh, to acts of righteousness. Okay, so this is, uh, a matter of fact, there's a lot of different commentators who take various opinions on this. And there are other translations uh, that actually, instead of having the word alms there, they actually use the word righteousness. And it plays out in these four verses that what is really at the heart of this is self-righteousness. And that's what Jesus is really after here. Uh, it, is, it is with regard to these manifestations of these, these three things. So almsgiving is verses 1 through 4. Prayer is verses 5 through 15. And fasting is verses 17 through 18. Okay? So Jesus is going to give us the wrong end or the wrong goal. And he's also going to show us the wrong method. Okay, so there's an idea of what's wrong. And then he's going to give us what the right end is and what the right reward should be. You'll notice here by the use of these phrases in verse number one, you see that the wrong end or the wrong goal of almsgiving is to be seen of men. That's not the goal of almsgiving. Okay, that's the wrong end. The wrong method is also that these are done before men. So you can see in verse 1, take heed that you do not your alms before men. That's the wrong method to be seen of them. That's the wrong goal. In other words, almsgiving is not about or for the purpose of being done before men in order that they might see you. Everybody understand? So that's the point here. That that's what's setting this particular thought. And the wrong reward is that they have received it. So in other words, that's their reward. Okay, your reward, if it's done in this manner, is if it's done before men with the purpose of being seen before men, your reward is just that. That's all you get. You get the reward of what that man that saw it, that's your reward. So instead, Jesus gives the right end. The right end is to glorify, which we'll see this tonight, is to glorify our Heavenly Father. That's the purpose of the almsgiving, to glorify. That's the right end. The right method is what? To be done in secret. So see how contrary that is to the Pharisees' way. They did it with the idea of it being done before men to be seen of men. The right way or the right method is to be done in secret with the purpose of glorifying our Heavenly Father. So that's what's here. 
So what the Pharisees were most concerned about was what we would refer to as externalism, publicity. They wanted people to see what they were doing. They wanted the attention to be drawn on them. They wanted you to know what good acts they were doing towards their neighbor. And what Jesus is talking about is that they would draw attention to themselves. And they would say, look at what we've done. Look how we've helped our neighbor that we love. So the true public worship or the true worship of God must always be done in meekness and humility. Uh, There is nowhere in Scripture that we are told to draw attention to ourselves. Now, as a side note, even in our worship, our corporate worship, when we come together and we worship as a church, it should never be the goal of any of us to draw attention to ourselves. There is this close connection between almsgiving and the right worship. And some of the points that Jesus makes here are very, very pointed. So the Pharisees had this false self-righteousness that was based upon what? Traditionalism. Okay, so now let's look at the exposition here and notice the wording and the phrases. We're going to take many of these phrases just as they are and just kind of expound on them. Notice the first two words of verse 1. Take heed. Take heed simply means pay very close attention, be obedient to this particular precept that's about to be given to you. That this is to be done with care and concern regarding the end and the method. In other words, what is the goal, what is the purpose, and how am I attempting this? Take heed. Paul uses that term many times in his epistles. The method... Of, of almsgiving is to be guarded carefully just as much as the end should be guarded carefully. In other words, we should only do that which is according to how the scripture determines it to be. So what does he say? Take heed that you do not your alms before men. Your acts of righteousness, your acts of goodness. Make sure that you do not do your alms, these acts of righteousness, for the purpose or the goal to be seen of them. And then notice right on the right attached at the end of that is the word otherwise. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So take heed that you do not your alms, your works of righteousness, to be seen of them. That's the motive. If my motive is to be perform these acts of righteousness, this almsgiving, with the purpose of being seen of them. Look what he says. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Notice the emphasis on the phrase, no reward. That means these acts that are done with the motive of being seen of men receive no reward, no matter how good the righteous act is. That's pretty alarming. If my motive, even if I do something great, If it's done with the motive of being seen of men, there is no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Now that's very specific. And the reward often comes when we do it to be seen of men, the reward often comes from the same people in which we do the reward for. 
So Jesus deals with motive. You know, motive is a strange thing. Why we do what we do and everything in life. Do you know everything we do, every choice we make has a motive? Now, some things we do on autopilot because we do them every day. But do you realize everything we do has a motive? There's a reason why. And most things have an end goal. So this is very practical in the way that Jesus is explaining this. So alms, now here's what he's not saying. He is not saying that alms can never be done publicly. But what he is teaching is, is that they should not be done for the sake of publicity. There's a great difference in doing something publicly and doing it for the sake of publicity or to be seen. If we walked out of here tonight and said, oh, this means I can never do a righteous act of good in the public eye, you will have missed the entirety of the text. He simply means you're doing it for the sake of being seen of men. That's what the scripture says. Do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Okay, that's the motive, to be seen of them. So if we have the wrong motive, we have the wrong aim, even though a successful almsgiving act in the eyes of God would be a failure. If we give something or we do something to be seen, you will be seen. That's what he's saying. You'll be seen of men. But that's the end of it. And clearly, he says, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. And by the way, the only reward that's worth having in, in the life now and the life to come is the reward of our Heavenly Father. The reward of men here really doesn't matter. But do you know that a lot of times we spend more time trying to be rewarded by men here than being reward of our Heavenly Father? Getting publicity for our good acts is a really difficult thing to shake out of our minds. Even in the most spiritual eyes, we sometimes do things and we say we're doing it for God, but we're doing it with the intent of being seen by someone else so other somebody can look at us and say, that's a good Christian person right there. Or I want to give that person some credit. Jesus is completely imploding that idea. That if I'm doing it with the motive of being seen, not that I can't do something publicly, but if I'm doing it with the motive to be seen, that's my reward. Okay, it's very, very clear what he's talking about here. So you could put it this way. You can't expect to be rewarded twice in this situation. So if you want the applause of men, then you get the applause of men. But if you want the reward of your heavenly father, then that's going to require your motive to be different. Folks, really what we ought to be is we ought to have a single eye for God's reward, not for man's applause. Again, this is really hard. Because even in our spiritual life, we are sometimes guilty of doing things with this motive to be seen of men. Notice verse 2. Therefore, or in view of this principle, when thou doest thine alms... Now, Jesus is making a clear assumption. You are going to do alms. If you're a believer, you're going to do acts of righteousness. It's going to be a part of your spiritual DNA. You are going to do good things. 
their righteous acts. We have a verse here that describes that this righteousness, this almsgiving, is an act of general goodwill. So when you do the alms, okay, that's the assumption, do not sound a trumpet before thee. Now, Jesus is not talking about that even in the day and age that the Pharisees and the scribes walked through town and they blew trumpets. This is all a picture. This is to give us an idea of drawing attention to ourselves. Okay? So, this, this is figurative language. This is language that's uh, meant to say, what does a trumpet during their assemblies usually do? It calls attention to something. So what he's saying here is don't call attention to your almsgiving. Don't call attention to the, what you're doing as for the publicity. Notice what he says. He gives an example of who does this. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. Now Jesus does not use the term Pharisee here, but it's implied that's who he's talking about. We have examples in the Gospels of Jesus talking specifically about the Pharisees and they're drawing attention, attention to themselves. Think about the portions where they, they like to have the seats in the uppermost seats, the chief places. That's what's in mind here. Notice he says the motive, the, the method, the end of these individuals, these hypocrites, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Jesus clearly now expounds upon what verse 1 said. If you do this with the intent of being seen by men, you get no reward from your Father which is in heaven. But when you do your alms, don't do it like the hypocrites do, who figuratively blow a trumpet and say, look what I'm doing. Because he says right there, their, their, their end, their goal is to have glory of men. Folks, the Pharisees thrived on people applauding them. Now, there's a lot of applications I could make even in the modern church today and in modern Christianity. This has become epidemic to where people are drawing attention to their good acts and their good deeds. People, social media, draw attention. Every spiritual conversation they have with somebody, they post about it. Every person that they quote-unquote win to Christ, they post about it. They talk about how many people that they've led to Christ, how many people have gotten saved under their ministry. They, they promote and advertise their ministries. They promote their sermons. Do you realize what all of that is? That doesn't bring glory, of, glory to God. That is for the applause of men. Now, I'm not saying that every person that does that is a Pharisee, but I am telling you, it's the spirit of a Pharisee. We don't need to announce every good thing that we do. As a matter of fact, I would say it's spiritually healthy if you simply keep everything you do for the Lord, for the most part, secret. Nobody needs to know what you're doing. So it always, it always alarmed me in some churches where that becomes the thing. Where you have to do so many acts of goodness. If you're, and it's phrased this way. If you're a real believer, you'll do this many good things this week. 
That's, that's not scriptural. My almsgiving really is not between me and you. It's between me and God. And I'm not to do it for the approval or the glory of men. Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, or truly I say unto you, they have their reward. That's the full reward. They're not getting anything else. Again, Jesus uses this phrase. There, He's using this, this phrase that is with regard to the praise of men, the applause of other people. Their reward is fleeting and it's temporary. You realize that one person who's commended for his great act of righteousness, it fades very quickly. Suddenly, somebody's somebody's ministry is a little bit bigger or somebody else's almsgiving is a little bit larger and suddenly that one who was on top of the world now another person comes along and the applause of men is now directed in another place this is interesting that the glory of men it's 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 a it's an interesting phrase because when we see the word glory we often only associate that word with god of course but glory has to do with honor And when we talk about glory to God, what we're actually saying is we're saying we are honoring God, His his majesty, His his righteousness, His holiness. It's a strange thing that Jesus uses this word glory of men. Folks, I don't think anybody would disagree with me here that would say that we we are in a generation, especially with regard to the church and Christianity, that is obsessed with advertising absolutely obsessed with advertising promotion i mean even even on our social media pages the promotion of ministers and ministries is out it's just it's outlandish and you say well you're judging their motive i'm just putting it out there if their motive is right they don't have to answer to me right they don't have to answer to you But Jesus says, if that's your motive, is that you want to have the applause of men. Listen, I've watched this happen with the modern day evangelist over and over and over again. Do you know how the modern day evangelist survives? He survives by advertising himself. Again, if his motive is correct, then he, he has the reward of his father. Motive is a difficult thing to determine, even in ourselves. Why do I really do what I'm doing? People that give often want to announce how much they gave. People that say, here's what I do, like to speak of what they do. Jesus is very simply saying, don't expect to be rewarded of men and be rewarded of your Father which is in heaven. It's a very opposite end reward. You're either going to get the reward of your father or you're going to get the applause of men, but you're not going to get both. That's a pretty deep lesson there, folks. If I'm getting the applause of men, am I truly receiving the reward of my father? Because realizing that the reward of the father is something entirely different than the applause of men. Again, look at verse 3. 
Jesus again with the implication that you will do alms. But when thou doest alms, he's getting more specific here. Let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Now, folks, don't don't dig too deep into this. Don't try to make this something figurative. Don't try to make this symbolic. Simply read this for what he's saying. Left hand, right hand. The verse is a simple command that shows us that your left hand shouldn't even know what your right hand is doing. That's how intense this is. This is not some minor little thing. This is a deep teaching that Jesus is saying. You are supposed to be so stealth in your almsgiving that you don't even realize you're doing good. Now that's a tough principle. How do we get to a place in our spiritual life when we don't even think about or realize we're actually doing spiritual good? Folks, it all goes back to that humility and realizing our, our self-righteousness is as filthy rags. We have to quit labeling ourselves that we offer in and of ourselves some sort of righteousness that has any value at all. We don't offer anything of our own righteousness. It's all Christ's righteousness or it's nothing. Now, again, that shouldn't be discouraging. That should encourage us to say, wait a minute, I don't have to rely on my righteousness. My righteousness isn't any good anyway, but I can rely on the righteousness of Christ. We are to have such a little regard for ourselves that we may not even know we did something good. That's pretty challenging. How do we get to the place where we don't have a wrong motive and we don't know, our left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing? It's been said we should actually seek secrecy for our own good deeds. We should try intentionally to do them in secret. Let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Spurgeon made an astounding statement about this passage. He said, do not even see your own virtue. He went on to say, hide from yourself that which ye yourself have done that is commendable. Hide your own virtue from yourself. (laughs) when I'm doing good keep your left if I'm doing good with the right hand keep the left hand out of it and vice versa have no wrong motive and have no present desire for the applause the approval or the glory of men Folks, there would be a lot of ministries and a lot of believers who may have good intentions who would have to completely change the way in which they do good acts and good deeds. Folks, this is, this is so ingrained in our human nature that sometimes we're not even seeing how deep this is and how deep this goes. I began this message by saying everything we do has a motive. Everything has a motive. Is that motive 
for the glory of God or is that motive for the applause of men? That's really what this is boiling down to. And look at verse 4. But when, but that, verse 4, I'm sorry, that thine alms, remember the, the right end, the right method, that thine alms may be in secret. The word that, it's in order to frame all this together. The right mode, the right method that you should choose, that I should choose, is with complete secrecy. Thine alms may be in secret. Literally, that phrase means to be in the most hidden place. Wherever's the most secure, hiding, secret place of my alms giving, that's where it should be. But notice this. That means it's hidden from all human eyes. But notice the connection. And thy father which seeth in secret... Folks, here's the glory of this. God even sees our secret things. So the most secret almsgiving righteous act I do with the right motive, the right method, with the right end in mind, God sees it. You may, you may never receive a word of commendation or applause from men, but look what Jesus says. Thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. There's a beauty in that word himself. Who, who gives this reward? God himself. This is that hidden place where only the Father can see. God who is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere equally at the same time. Has no regard to what man's conclusions are. God, who sees in secret, rewards. Don't take your own reward. Take the reward that God will give to you Himself. That reward is far greater than any reward man can offer. Think about the rewards of grace. Think about the rewards of the kingdom of God. You know why we're not more motivated by the kingdom of God because we don't see the kingdom of God with our earthly eyes every day. But we do see and we long for people to be impressed with us. We long for people to be to give us the applause of our, our how great we are spiritually. And yet Jesus implodes that whole idea and said, you know what, your whole Christian life as a child of the kingdom of God, your almsgiving should be in secret. Now, it can be public, but it better be with the right motive. Right? It, he didn't say it can't ever be public, but the motive better be right. Himself shall reward. Reward is also the word recompense or to pay back. The idea here is, is that the hypocrites, the Pharisees, receive that which they worked for. Their idea was to work for the applause of men. They got what they wanted. But also remember this, and this is an important point I want you to get. God is rewarding you not on the basis of your works, but He's rewarding you on, by His grace. So don't get the idea that the reason you're being rewarded is because of your good works. No, you're being rewarded because of His grace. 
You see, we could even be led down that path that leads us to think, you know what? God's rewarding my good works. He's not rewarding your good works. He's rewarding you by His grace. Now notice it does say, he shall reward himself shall reward thee openly. Now there's some debate as to what this openly refers to. But it literally means in the open place. There is a time coming when this reward will be made open and be made public. He doesn't mean now. He doesn't give us a date. But there will be the greatest publicity of all time will happen is during the judgment day. When the, when the days and the age, this age comes to an end. Now, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. But I can tell you now, if we're not careful, we'll even start putting our own motive of wanting the applause even in the judgment day if we're not careful. But he does say he'll reward openly. This is an emphasis that's placed here on the Word Himself. If God is the one who rewards us, what a reward that's going to be. Do you realize what it's going to be like to have any praise from the lips of our Savior at all? Can you imagine? You know how, how easily that verse, well done, thou good and faithful servant, rolls off of our Christian tongues because we've heard it so many times. Do you realize what it would actually be like to hear Almighty God say that? We, we roll that off like that's just going to be some, just any other day. Can you imagine the God of the universe through His Son actually looking us in the face and saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant? That's not like the applause of men saying, hey, you did a great job. You must be a super Christian of some sort. This is God saying, well done. Remember, this began by saying, take heed. Keep, keep this almsgiving so secret that even you yourself are hardly aware that you're doing anything worth praise. It just says he will reward you openly. I'm not going to speculate exactly what that's going to look like. The Bible doesn't give us any information on what that reward openly actually is. So what has the Lord done? He's warned against hypocrisy. He's warned about a fair show in the flesh regarding religious acts. So what should we do? To be approved of God, to be rewarded of God is that we've got to take heed to not seek the motive of the praise of men. We're cautioned against the spirit of the Pharisee in giving alms. Take heed. Beware. It is a very, folks, this is a very, very subtle sin that could easily beset us that we're not even aware of. Our own glory and our own vanity must always be guarded against. We are all prone to be vain. We are all prone to seek glory. We are all prone to desire the applause of men. But understand here that Christ, this is a great 
It's a, this is a, a, a great doom that Jesus is pronouncing here. There will be no reward from your heavenly Father for almsgiving that is done with the wrong motive that desires to get the applause and the approval and to be seen of men. Folks, even when we take notice of our own good deeds, okay, be careful about what we're taking notice of. Remember this, that any reward, and this is scriptural throughout the Bible, any reward that God gives, He doesn't reward as a master who gives His servant what He earned, but a father who gives abundantly to His Son. There's a big difference in that. We're not rewarded by a master as a servant who does, who earned it. We are rewarded by a father who gives abundantly to his son. So quite simply, what, we, what should we remember as we leave here? The very title of the message. Do not your alms before men. Check the right motive. Check the method. What's our goal? Our goal should be to glorify our Father which is in heaven. When that's our method, when that's our mode, the reward will come from the Father. Let's pray together and then we'll have our closing benediction scripture in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you, Lord, that it is so clear regarding these almsgiving, these acts of righteousness. Father, I pray that as we've gone through these four verses tonight, Lord, we have learned the lesson through the Spirit and how, Lord, we ought to take heed in our own lives that our motives are proper, that we are desiring not the applause of men, but we simply desire the glory of our Father. Lord, help these principles to be settled deep into us May we not easily let them slip and forget them. Father, thank you for these lessons and these messages through the book of Matthew. They have been so helpful to me personally, and I pray, Lord, that they're helping each one of us week to week as we continue to learn these great lessons the Lord taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray, Lord, that you'll give us a restful evening, and you'll give us a great rest of this week as we look forward to this coming Lord's Day. And it's in Christ's name and for his sake, I pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, let's stand and let me give you our closing verses for tonight. It's found in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. You're always welcome to turn to these passages if you would like, but I will uh, just give these uh, to you. Actually, no, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 through 17. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13 through 17. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or, or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts 
and establish you in every good word and work. Amen. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Thank you so much.